morning, Mashi. Good evening, Dennis. How are you doing? Wow, I'm I was in. That's kind of spooky. Good evening. I mean, it's the spirit. It's it's how it's almost Halloween. It's appropriate. I guess that's true. Uh, so I'm not sure. Um, and maybe you can clarify something for me here. Between your t-shirt and your hat, do you like Star Wars or are you cold on it? Oh, wait, wait till I put my Star Wars poster up. Oh man, now we're going to be cooking. I forget yeah. you tell me about it. You, you do actually. Yeah, I love that thing. I got it back. So and I the mug. Wait. And the mug. Oh yeah, yeah. But this is this is a great mug. Uh, this was a whole. You can kind of see Yoda, and he's holding a book. You can see him perfectly, yeah. And then it says, "Read, and the Force will be with you." Uh huh. This was actually a campaign of posters that was up in school libraries when I was a kid. That's very cool. So this, and there was like I think there was like a Harrison Ford one as Indiana Jones, and it was all these '80s movie icons and TV show icons with books and the message of read. So I, I remember this poster vividly, and I love it. I have a shirt with the exact same image. I did see a tweet today that um, Bryce Dallas Howard is voicing some character that is the same species as Yoda in a show that comes out tomorrow. And people are like, God, I hope she talks normally. And it turns out Yoda was just a weirdo, and it's nothing to do with this. Like, Oh, my God. That'd be <laughs> hilarious. That'd be hilarious. So my quote for today, Mashi, is a Muhammad Ali quote. And it's champions have to have the skill and the will, but the will must be stronger than the skill. And I took a leaf out of your book here and took a concept I wanted to talk about and found a quote that fit it. Um, this is something that I um, went over this week as part of this like leadership program training thing I'm doing at Flutter. And something called a skill will matrix, which is an old thing. Um, it's an old way of assessing uh, management techniques. It was popularized by this book called, I think it's called the Tao of Management or, or the Tao of something. It's a ta- it's a management book from the nineties, but um, the idea is <clears throat> that in terms of any competency that you're interested in, and that can be your job as a whole, or it can be an individual component of it, or it can be items of your personal life. There's two factors. There's do you have the do you possess the skills and the ability to succeed at it, and do you have the will to do it? And you need both of those to succeed, and not necessarily in equal spades. You know, Muhammad Ali would contend that will is more important than skill, but I'm not certain that's always the case. I am. I, I believe Muhammad Ali. You think will is always more important than skill? Yeah, because he's saying you need both. Okay, no right. one is saying that will alone will get you there. You must have the skill. Um, and there are outliers, which is to say having the will, you're like, it's not, that's an internal um, skill set, right? So it's not to say that uh, we both have skill but my will is stronger than yours and therefore I will beat you. No. And no. I think that's one way you can kind of hear that quote. The quote is you have the skill, you have the will, but the will is more important. And the reason I feel that way is because um, in most situations and really what, when we boil things down, we're competing against each other in almost right. every forum. Now, sometimes there's different technology involved and different, you know, other physical things going on. But when we, get down to it. We're all humans. We can be more or less skilled at things, but at a very highly skilled level, you're within a bandwidth. I mean, that, that's not always, you know, going to be exactly true because there are record setters. There are Muhammad Ali's, right? right. They're Hussein Bolt's. But let's imagine for a second that at the various highest level of, we'll say sports here, because we're talking about Muhammad Ali, um, it's a narrow band of skill. Okay. The ex- professional athletes are exceptionally gifted 
but they're all exceptionally gifted because they're right? the we top one. They're the top one point, you know, point one percent or whatever, right? Yeah. So the we, only way we, you can we get see an the, edge is will, and we see this difference massively uh, in just the physical skill and how tight professional sports is when we see college players graduate up in mm-hmm. the NFL, in the NBA, in MLB. We see them. Some of them that are great in college, they can't. The competition band is so tight up high that they fall out. That so, happens in education too. A lot of people go from being the smartest kid in high oh, school to absolutely. middle of the pack or bottom of the pack in college. I mean, and then it happened. I mean, think about this. It happens again. I, you know, when I was in law school, I was I went to a pretty good law school, and everybody in my law school was like top of their class in college. Exactly. But guess what? Someone's going to be the bottom of the class in law school. Some, and they're not going to be used to it. Something else that I wanted to touch on in terms of will being more important than skill is that skill tends to follow will, and that is not necessarily true the other way around. If you <clears throat> if you believe in something and care about getting good at it, you can, generally speaking, acquire the skills needed to complete it. But if you have the skills, honestly, often the inverse is true, where you might not necessarily feel the need to try harder or push yourself or attempt to achieve something because you're like, ah, I'm already pretty good at this thing. Yeah, there's a whole different, and that's a whole, I think, perspective thing. Um, that I, I don't want to derail this quote, but I think there is a way where we we do have apologies. There's a plane flying overhead. Uh, we do have certain skills. We take them for granted, and we continue to take them for granted. And a lot of times, the way we can shake ourselves out of that is to reimagine how we're focusing those skills into something that we ha- we do have a will or a passion for. But that would be a digression here. Um, my whole point about that narrow band is assuming that there's this narrow band of very highly skilled people, the major differentiator can be will, will be mm-hmm. will. Also, the people who are just outside that band, it's a top 1% professional sports. Well, maybe how do you get from that 2% band to the 1% band? How do, Kobe tells a story, or geez, Kobe told a story. I was with once. you when Kobe died. That was, I couldn't believe it. We were in a barbecue heroin. place somewhere. I can't yeah. remember where we were. I remember... I remember uh, being in that barbecue place hearing about Kobe and I was in line um, to get into another restaurant when I heard about Chadwick Boseman. And that mm-hmm. one, I almost cried. I loved Chadwick Boseman. I thought he was wonderful. Wonderful. The, the only reason I remember being in that restaurant when that happened was because I went to the bathroom and in doing so, I just like checked my phone on the way back and I sat down and I told, I think it was you and Ryan and Jessica. And you were like, wait, what? That can't be right. Hold on a second. Like It blew my mind. It blew my mind. But the the will is so much more important. It's so much more important. If you want to be the best or drive towards the best at something, you can't just be good. You have got to want it. You got to wake up early. You got to stay late. Kobe tells this story. Um, You know, his teammates hated him. He was a monster at practice. He drove him into the ground and he went through it all himself. He did not lead from the sidelines, right? He Jordan's was the same. First guy if practice. you watch the last yeah. dance, Jordan's exactly the same. Yeah. First guy practice, last guy out. And one of the things Kobe said is like, I go to practice with these guys and they show up 10 minutes before practice. And as soon as practice is done, they're out of there. Why the fuck would I pass the ball to them in a game? Which is true. You know, if you are giving it your all in a team, in a team sport, you want that out of others. You demand that of others. Do I think that's right? No. I don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think that it is actually not correct. And, and I, I, shit, people might who bang on me on this one. I don't think it's correct to demand of others what you demand of yourself. 
What you demand of yourself is what you demand of yourself, particularly when you're in a leadership company, a leadership position in your company. It is not correct to demand the the same. You set an example, even if you try not to. Like, let's say you're a, you're a manager at work and you send an email at 2 a.m. because you got back from doing something and it just occurred to you then you don't want to forget about it. Um, you might have made it very clear that you don't expect anybody to reply until the next morning. But enough of those 2 a.m. emails will seep in and it'll start to think, oh, if Mosh holds himself like this, I think he expects the rest of us to, too. Yeah, I mean, when I send messages, now I try to delay that. I'll write a message and delay send. Because I agree with you. And I think that everybody should do that when possible. Now at 2 a.m., I don't always remember to do that. But what I also make clear to my team is, I mean, as you know, I do the streaming thing. So I lose this portion of my workday from mm-hmm. 4 to midnight. Okay. So I can't send an email from 4 to midnight because I'm doing other things. I, I'm, I'm not at a computer or a phone. I'm live streaming. So when they get an email at 1230, it's because I just caught up yep. on the workday. So that's the excuse I have anyway, but I do want to make this very clear as leaders in a company, I do not believe it is appropriate or correct to demand of others what you demand of yourself. Your partners in a business, absolutely. Your peers who are leaders in the company, absolutely. Your team, no. There are things you can demand. I demand that you be honest with me as I am honest with you. I have recommended that people take other positions. I've recommended that they leave the company. It would be a a terrible loss to our company and to our team because it's what's best for them. And I hope and I demand that they see things, one, that way for themselves. And I hope they see things that way for me. But those are the different things you demand. It's not a work ethic thing. How do you feel about skill and will, the skill and will matrix? Because it is a four-quadrant matrix. You know, someone can be high skill, low will, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The purpose of the exercise is you're supposed to take a look at the team that you manage and think about how effective they are at executing their job and think if, you know, does person A have high skill, low will? Does person A have high will, low skill, et cetera? Because there's different methods. If someone has the the technical know-how or the experience or the, you know, the tools they need to complete their job, but they're not they don't have the will to do it, they might feel unmotivated. That might be a, a situation where I would have some one, some one-on-ones or possibly recommend them for a different position or try shift their responsibilities to more match their interests or the motivations. And conversely, if someone has the will but not the skill, you can recommend training to them. You can try and mentor them. You can let them sit in on things that try and align them, things like that. Um, how do you feel about trying to boil down what is kind of a complex human nuance thing into these sort of four pretty, you know, pigeonholed boxes? I think you have to. I, I think you have to. You know, anytime, anytime we abstract in general concepts, we're trying to chunk down complex ideas mm-hmm. into things that make more sense and we can tackle. Now, the chunking isn't the end of it. There aren't four. It's not like I hope. I, I have no idea what this matrix is, is. I'm telling you how my aspirations for it are. That's the whole matrix. Is, the matrix, you can no, either be high will, low skill, high will, high skill, low will, low skill, or high skill, low will. That's it. Well, my, my hope from that though, then that's fine. Put them in those four categories. Where it all falls apart in terms of shit is if there's, well, there's four parts of the matrix and there's only four things we can do here. Four One, actions two, three, and that's four. it, right. And that's it. Once you go, that's a step too far. What I think it's a spectrum once they're in that box. What I think is important is there's all these different frameworks for all the stuff we do in the professional world, you know, management, project management, productivity, all that kind of stuff. And they all offer different slices of usually a much more complex thing. And you would hope that by using enough of them, you're taking different slices so that they cover each other's blind spots. And by combining them all, you get a more holistic picture. 
Um, so you're right. You can't. I don't think you can pick one thing and have it the be all and end all. But I do like this sort of thing. Of it's it's a very logical one point one step to employ exism to performing. How do I address that? Because the temptation is to just be like, let them underperform. It is what it is. Move them somewhere else or try to train them. But if you try and think about why they might be underperforming, and the most basic version of that is is something like a skill bill matrix, it informs your next steps much much better. I also think it opens the door to a conversation with them. You think you? I mean, you, you think you just point blank ask a lot of the time? Of course. Hey man, hey man, uh, you're you're so good at this, but I know there's not a lot of motivation here. Is there a way? I mean, look, like how how do we tap into your passion here? Because mm-hmm. you got all the skill in the world, and I just I need I got to focus on other things. We got other initiatives coming. I know you can do it. How do I make this more fun for you? How do I drive this to you? Where can I tie this to a passion for you? Sometimes it's just more money. Money sure. doesn't buy passion. Money might buy more attention. It doesn't buy more passion. Money buys time. Money, yeah. Money. Yeah. Um, but money buys can, 2 a.m. emails. It does buy 2 a.m. emails. Um, actually, no, it doesn't. Sometimes there just isn't enough money for that. That's you know what fair I mean? enough. That's really a lot more passion and or, and this is where it gets dangerous, fear. You don't mm. want that. I mean, um, yeah, that's true. That. From a from a higher up position, fear and passion can look indistinguishable. Oh my god, completely, completely. Um, we had a situation in this company. I know you've dealt with this, John and I, and John in particular is doing so much grunt work with whatnot. We're working a lot with whatnot, like printing out shipping labels, mm-hmm. packaging. At five o'clock, one or the other or both of us have to walk over. There's a post office across the street. Drop the mail off. Well, he's been using the technology a lot. And there's a batch print function that they weren't using in our warehouse. And so we're going to town and he goes, oh, yeah, hey, Kyle, uh, I want to you know, meet with Amber and see her process and see how she's doing. Well, the the message from Kyle to Amber is John wants to talk to you about how you're printing out the labels and whatnot. <laughs> and she's terrified, yeah, terrified. Yeah. Now, that's Kyle's fault. No offense, Kyle. Shouldn't have delivered the message. I'll tag way. him. It's fine. You know, uh, <laughs> he's already had a talking to about it, but she was terrified. Truly terrified. Well, and, I mean, and I, I mean, that's totally understandable. I think. Yeah. Oh, for those listening, John is the CEO of the company yes. that we work at. You know, and I would, I dare, not only a large human being, but a large person. He's an imposing guy. He's a teddy bear, but he's an imposing guy. He's one of the nicest, sweetest guy. He was so upset because Ryan didn't know how this happened, and he calls John and I up, and he's like, "You're sitting down with Amber to go over her shipping practices," and John's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what?" He's like, I wanted to see, his plan was to observe her. He wanted to watch her do it. He's like, I just wanted to see how she was doing it because I'm trying to learn it myself. And and, and Ryan was like, oh, that wasn't the message that was delivered to her. I mean, maybe we can touch on that in a different time, but we are out for today.